Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, everybody, for coming. And for, thank you for collectively for there being so many of you here. That's marvellous. That was great, Catherine. Actually, that, that was a lot of points that if I'd have thought of them, I would have liked to have made, but you made them anyway. So uh, that very interesting. I'm going to talk particularly about something I'm focusing on while I'm at, in, in my post at History and Policy, as uh, namely engagement with Parliament. And I'll get on to what we mean by Parliament and what we might mean by engagement with it. First, I'll talk a bit about, about my background. Uh, like Catherine, I did an MA in Contemporary British History at Queen Mary uh, back in, in, in the 1990s, and then went on to do a, a PhD on the history of special advisors. Uh, which at the time, as, as now, was a kind of was a topical subject. So I already had slight view as to, although I thought it was an interesting subject worth doing in itself, as to the topicality and applicability of of, of, of that subject area to, uh, to to current debate. In between doing my MA and my and my PhD, I was actually fortunate enough to be an intern at uh, Number Ten Downing Street, which was obviously a very fascinating experience. I wasn't doing anything particularly uh, important there, but it was obviously a very very interesting experience, gave me an idea of how political processes work from the inside. Then, after my PhD, I decided that uh, rather than immediately try and pursue a, a directly academic career, I'd like to work a bit more in, in a political environment, just really apart from anything else to prove myself that I could actually do something approaching a, a real job. So I. I went to, uh, I worked for an, an, an MP, uh, Graham Allen MP, Labour MP for Nottingham North, in his parliamentary office for a few years. And that was, that was a very valuable experience because, again, he was interested in a contemporary standpoint from a lot of the issues around the, the UK constitution and how it's developing that I was interested in also from a historic viewpoint because I do what, what we call contemporary history. I like to think that. that the past confuse into the present anyway. So that was, that was again a very instructive experience and actually gave me a very good idea of, or a better idea of how things actually work in practice alongside what you can actually get by studying the record and the archive, although both very valuable activities. So after working for Graham for a few years, I then began to work for various think tanks involved in various different uh, Roundtree uh, funded projects looking at different aspects of constitutional and democratic reform. And eventually, around about 2010, started to find my way into uh, King's, first as a visiting uh, research fellow, a senior research fellow, and then my post now as a lecturer as well as alongside my role at, at History and Policy. And I actually started to become aware of history and policy not long after it was set up, sort of early in the, in whatever that dec the last, we call the last decade, the noughties, whatever it's called, I began to find out about this organization and, and started to engage with some of the things it was doing and, and started to re write research papers and things like that for history and policy. So that's my general background. Now I'm going to talk a bit about, specifically, about engagement with Parliament, because actually, as, as I've already said, I, I, I think everything Catherine said was very valuable and pretty much you know, is the things I would have said about media and engagement with media and the value of that and the reasons for doing it, all those kind of things. So I'm going to talk a bit more specifically about Parliament. First, what do we mean by Parliament? Generally, when people say Parliament in the media or elsewhere, they, it tends to be used as shorthand for the House of Commons. 
Now, the House of Commons is obviously a very important component of Parliament, probably the most important component of Parliament, but we've got to think a bit more broadly than that when we think about Parliament, particularly with a view to how we might engage with it. And, and also, we've got to unpack even what we mean by the House of Commons. So first of all, there's a thing which, again, Catherine mentioned, the House of Commons Library, which, which is actually a very useful, and some of you, if you're looking in particular areas, may well have looked at its research papers, but it's a very useful source of information. And for those of us who are engaging, it's actually something that's well worth engaging with. Their briefing notes are mainly available online and are widely used. So if your work can be cited in one of their briefing notes, that's actually not a bad way forward. So that's an example of one area where you can engage with Parliament, is maybe just sending your research to the relevant uh, researcher in that particular policy area in the, in the House of Commons Library. But what else do we mean by Parliament? Well, again, within the Commons, and I'll come back to this, but we have a set of things called select committees. Normally on the media, for some reason the media doesn't like calling them select committees, they call them things like an influential party group of MPs or some kind of way of describing it which is actually more complicated than if they just called them select committees. But for some reason they don't think we can understand what a select committee is. But select committees are very important, particularly from the point of view of engagement, because uh, they're, they're very interested in, in taking evidence. I will come back to that, but they're an important part of Parliament. And from a historical point of view, uh, it's quite significant that uh, they're actually a relatively new player on the scene in the scheme of things, in the way they operate. The system we've got now dates to 1979. It's actually changed quite a lot since 1979. So as historians, we should be able to appreciate this is a rising force within Parliament. And it's a very, very important thing to take into account, particularly from the point of view of engagement. Then there's also... Uh, the House of Lords. Let's not overlook the House of Lords. The people in the House of Lords, there are even historians in the House of Lords who are interested in what historians are doing. They've got their own committees, like the uh, House of Lords Select Committee on the Constitution. The House of Lords European Union Committee also has lots of subcommittees. And some of those committees are actually more suitable for the kind of engagement that historians might do than the committees in the House of Commons, because some of what they do is take a broader approach to some of these issues. For instance, the, uh, the European Union committees in the House of Lords are clearly superior in terms of actually looking at policy issues to the uh, European Scrutiny Committee in the House of Commons, which is mainly there just to look at European legislation. So House of Lords is very important. And then beyond that, there are... Uh, various other things going on in Parliament all the time. Every day of the week there's some kind of seminar going on. There's historical themed seminars going on there. In fact, uh, we organised one last year. We're going to be organising some more in, in conjunction with an organisation called Unlock Democracy. We organised an event on women in Parliament where we got historians and, and current pol uh, public policy practitioners to discuss historic issues. So there's all kinds of events going on. And now I'm going to talk about three specific engagements I've done. Another thing which exists in Parliament is is called an all-party parliamentary group. This is a less formal thing than the select committee. It's set up by MPs and by peers to kind of look at a particular area. They're very uh, variable in the extent to which they're effective and in what they actually do. Some of them look like a bit, a bit of a kind of an excuse to get a foreign trip somewhere. Some of them actually do do serious kind of policy engagement. It varies. One I work with. Uh, is called the all-party, it's a bit of a mouthful, but I'll try and say it in full, the all-party parliamentary group on reform, 
decentralization and devolution. I don't try and say that very often, but I thought I'd, I'd say that. Actually, they set up a sub-body, uh, a, a, a panel, chaired by uh, Lord Kerslake, the former head of the Home Civil Service, to look into devolution for the UK. And uh, fortunate, I was fortunate enough to be made an advisor to that inquiry. So I was actually able to provide it with uh, research materials and also with a historical briefing note which gave a kind of long-term historical background to uh, devolution in the UK, how we got to where we are now, in which I look back, right back to the, 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 the creation of the union and, and the attempts at home rule from the 1880s onwards. So I was able to provide them with a historical briefing for the, for the use of members. They actually launched their report yesterday and also published uh, my historical briefing alongside it on the website. So that's an example of one form of devolution, uh, one form of in engagement you can get is by working with an all-party parliamentary group. Another form of engagement, which was longer lasting than that one, although that one went on for about six months, started at the beginning of the uh, 2010 Parliament when uh, my former employer, and this shows the importance of personal contacts and how any kind of contact you can make as you're going along is worth having. It may not deliver for you the next day or the next year, but it's well worth accumulating people in your network because you never know when they're going to be useful or when you're going to be useful to them, hopefully. So uh, Graham Allen, the MP I used to work for, became chair of the uh, House of Commons Committee on Political and Constitutional Reform, uh, a post he held while the committee existed from 2010 to 2015. And he wanted to do a long-term inquiry over the whole parliament into the subjects of whether or not the UK should get a written constitution. This is a kind of area which academics have debated endlessly to, and not ever, ever reaching any real conclusion. But Parliament had never actually conducted a full inquiry into it. He wanted to do an inquiry into it, but he also wanted to get uh, proper research support. Because although uh, parliamentary committees have excellent clerks working for them, very t really good people working for them, they actually have quite stretched resources, quite limited number of people. So if they want to get help to really engage with the subject in a sustained way, they have to look elsewhere. We set up what was actually a completely new model for doing this in that we actually got external funding from Roundtree and Nuffield to provide uh, academic research support over a sustained period of time, over five years, to this inquiry. So that's what I helped set up at King's, which is partly how I came to be at King's. So that's an example of one form of engagement. We produced various reports, various uh, papers we wrote for them were published, and they, they eventually she produced a final report on the whole subject. The kind of influence we were able to have was exactly as Catherine's saying, you can't necessarily directly prove that we've done anything specific, but you can certainly show that we've created a setting in which a discussion can take place. And we've helped the committee to be informed and provide it with a framework for its deliberations. But it it, we've all, always got to be careful, particularly in history, about overclaiming for our influence. And it's quite, in a way, why should we, why should we wish to claim any more than we've helped a serious debate to take place? In a way, that's the best thing we can say we've achieved, rather than we're kind of this Machiavellian people going around, uh, pulling people's strings and making people think things. You're never going to get anyone to admit to that publicly, even if it did happen anyway. So there's a real problem there with causality. But I think it's enough to show that we've helped actually foster a serious debate debate in an area, and history is, in my view, a very, very useful uh, tool to, to creating a meaningful debate. And then I'm going to get on to the third kind of uh, 
engagement, because those previous two I mentioned do involve, to some extent, network building, establishing reputation, things like that, which can't necessarily happen immediately. But there's something anyone could do, any of you could go away, go away right now and do, and that's submitting evidence to a select committee inquiry, either in the House of Commons or the House of Lords. There is no barrier to anyone presuming, assuming you've got access to the internet to doing that. There are enormous numbers of uh, consultations going on at any given time being held by select committees. There are, there are about uh, 19 committees, I think, in the House of Commons, and there are a, 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 another series of joint committees and also committees in the House of Lords. So at any given time, there are a lot of inquiries, a lot of calls for evidence open to which you can submit evidence. And believe you me, they want evidence. And they certainly want evidence from a range of sources, including academics. So they'll be very glad to have it. And that's where you get the chance of being quoted if you give something that they can use. So it's, it, in a sense, very democratic because anyone can do it. And if the evidence looks good, if it looks convincing, it's likely to get referred to. So it's a very good way in and it's also a very good way of gradually building your, your reputation because people do look at the volumes of evidence get published, certainly online, no, they don't publish as much in hard copy any longer, but your, your evidence will get published, it could well get referred to by the committee, but either way it will be up there and it will be a place where journalists and other people like that go to look for things. And again, you don't know when you're actually going to be asked about it, it can be a number of years later that somebody finds it and it's as, 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 uh, as secure things can be, it's going to be up there forever on the internet, which is a reason to try and get it right as well, incidentally. But uh, it also means that it's a good place to be a kind of point of reference for you and your work. And certainly, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend, if there's one thing to take away from what I'm saying today, is that there's no reason, if you've got a, if you've got a subject area that you think your, your history is, is giving you a, an important contemporary perspective, Go and look at one of the select committees, see what they're looking at. There are a lot of them out there. And even if they're not, they've not got an inquiry in that area now, they're likely to have one at some point in the future. So it's well worth doing. Thank you.